0: Did you say long time no father? This long time,
1: long time no
0: bother. Um. <laughs> oh, long time no. We haven't fathered. Yeah. In a long time uh, oh
1: no. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh <laughs> dear. Uh, we think... haven't fathered a podcast episode together in a very long no, time. No, we haven't. Mm. It has
0: been a long time. Um, but I'm here now. I always show up for, for the old the old kingdom of the, uh, of the, Kreeska. I couldn't abbreviate it in any way. I can't. <laughs> The old K, the old CS, the old <laughs> K of the CS.
2: Really, any kingdom in general, I think we can get you on board with, right?
0: Yeah, but mainly this one, the old the old Cox. That's how it. That's how it really, it's, turns <laughs> the,
2: the, out. The the K O C S. That's how you pronounce it around, around around those parts.
0: Yeah, that's how that's how Lucas and Spielberg pronounce it too. They refer to it <sighs> all the time as Indy J and the Cox. <laughs>
1: Oh boy! Uh, yeah, so uh... I'm
2: typing that down. That's going to be our title. Yeah, <laughs> L- listeners,
1: uh, we we are. You may remember from a very long time ago that Dan and I watched uh, Indiana Jones uh, movies, and we were supposed to do this one, and then we said, "Never mind. Um, let's just skip <laughs> it." And uh, I think we did uh, Inglorious Bastards instead. Um, oh, that was a good one. Yeah, and then uh, so then you know, naturally, things being what they are um we did stargate the previous week and uh we were like aliens in space and stuff and archaeology and things um and uh this this was in netflix when i was browsing and i just said hey why don't we just do that <laughs> finally taking
2: um, off aliens and archaeology month uh we'll i be love it when you
0: called me you're like well we're gonna watch <laughs> a really bad one of the uh of the franchise Let's Anytime there's Seth. a
2: beloved franchise or a Steven Spielberg movie involved, we have to call Seth. That's just or, that's that's in or, our contract. Yeah, or is the you, yeah.
0: you need someone to defend it. Like, you need someone to defend the bad art. Oh, as you calling me?
2: Does that mean we're going to get positive Seth here for this film? Because I know uh, we we've gotten you to go negative on a couple of uh, dinosaur movies that were real bad.
0: There's plenty of negative here. Plenty more than positive. My and my positive that I have is actually. <sighs> It's not about the final product. It's more. Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> it, the, it was the
2: journey. It was the friends you made along the way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I made many friends along the way, along the development process of indie games. Uh,
2: so. You reconnected with an old love. You discovered you had a son. There, there, there are many things to enjoy.
1: <laughs> you had quicksand, um, but uh, but yeah. So this this movie, interesting. Uh, I, I, I. Before we get into that, I want to just you know quickly take a poll. Um. <laughs> of the of the two of you, and I, I think I already know Dan's answers. Uh, what, what do you what do you have like in terms of feelings towards the Indiana Jones series?
2: Mm. Seth, would you like to go first since you are the guest?
0: Oh, uh, complete love and admiration. This is one of my favorite franchises. I like this franchise over Star Wars. Um, I actually like many franchises over Star Wars, but just to put that in there, I feel like they're both Lucasfilm franchises. But.
2: Uh, you like to get a little dig in there at the Space Boys whenever you get a chance, right?
0: I do. Um, it's I, I love these movies because I love uh, present company, exclu- present present subject or whatever film excluded. They 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 are v- grounded very much down in the dirt. They are uh, they have the perfect mix of to me most of them of comedy and action and adventure. It's like this. It's the perfect adventure movie that's not. Uh, they're they're really violent but they don't ever feel cynical and like uh gory or anyth- anything it um the to- they're tonally uh not um, uh, the good ones are tonally just like pitch perfect in terms of like what i want from a movie like this and from a movie in general um and particularly 1 and 3 i i, I know a lot of people don't like 3 I am a huge fan of three. I know I did the podcast for one. I don't know if I was was I here for three?
2: Uh that's a good question. You're, you're asking it's the wrong great people. question. Great question. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't remember. You guys had me for Raiders. I remember that. Anyway, yeah. three, I, I, I adore three. Um so yes, that's 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 my my stance. Hmm.
2: That makes sense. I mean th- this is kind of up your alley in terms of uh probably in terms of some of the things that you try to do in your own work, I would imagine with the action adventure and the comedy and uh being earnest and mixing all that stuff together, right? That's uh, would you would you well, say it's influential? Yes.
0: yes, very influential, especially in like the situational based comedy of it all, like um these movies are really funny and like it, the idea of like a, a hero the way Harrison Ford plays Indy, he's uh very much in the vein of like John McClane like it's the hero that is not a badass the hero who is just like uh he fights dirty he's not like he's not there for the glamour and spectacle of the of the job he's there to get the job done and so everything that's in his way is kind of an annoyance uh and a legitimate obstacle it's not like an opportunity to show off masculinity or anything like that it's literally just like another obnoxious thing between him and where he's trying to get to and um and out of that comes uh great character and comedy and all the other things that i could psychoanalyze this movie and
2: mm. I apologize if you heard me giggling in the background there. I just went to look up to see which episodes of the show you'd been on, and I read all of the titles uh, of the episodes, which are, of course, hilarious, um, including Bone R and P-Rex Machina, uh, just just (laughs) to name a couple. Um, But it looks like you were only here for Raiders.
1: Yeah, Uh, That's why I wanted to know. Because I obviously knew that ahead of time, and it wasn't just because I forgot. Um, But uh, I
0: forget about Bonar and P-Rex Machina. Oh,
2: dear. Uh, This is a very, very highbrow podcast we have going on here. But uh, anyway, I I, I think I agree with you uh, in terms of um, opinions on the franchise. I like it. Uh, I think I enjoy it more than the spaces. I probably... um, know i don't I don't hold a whole lot of franchises in very high regard because none of them can seem to really uh live up to what they want i mean the, this movie does kind of peel over a lot of it for me and especially because this is like a more recent memory um but uh yeah I like Indiana jones i like uh I like archaeology stuff i think when we did star uh stargate last week I talked about my my childhood love of uh all things uh, ancient Egyptian culture, and then you throw a little bit of sci-fi and aliens in there, and I thought it was really cool. And uh, I I dig a lot of the uh, archaeology stuff in all of these movies, and then, you know, you got some Nazis and some action and stuff in a lot of these. Uh, so that's that's very interesting. And the era, you know, the 40s and 50s and stuff is fun to look at too. So I enjoy the Indiana Jones franchise in general. Um, this movie is real stupid, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. And just because nobody asked me, I'll answer my own question. Um, well, of course we a- <laughs> Joe,
0: what do you think of it? Glad you asked. Joe,
1: you um,
2: just
0: started so- talking. You wouldn't give us a chance to ask. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't but, be indignant about answering your own question. <laughs> the
1: Yeah, so anyway, what I think is that I really like the first Indiana Jones movie um, and that uh, the second one is awful. Um, and then the third one is good again, but not for um, quote I don't know how to say this. It it, do, it hits a lot of the, the notes you kind of want them to hit. Uh, so it, it doesn't uh, necessarily challenge the audience in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, I think it hits them in a satisfactory manner. So it's enjoyable. I like the third one. Uh, and then there's this fourth one, um, which is awful. And turns out I remembered almost nothing about this movie except for like, a <laughs> couple of moments. Um, and there were large stretches where I was just like, how long does this go for? Because I forget. And the answer was too long, um, Way but too long, uh, yeah. yeah, that's it's it's fascinating to me, and and especially fascinating that there's going to be a fifth one at some point in the indefinite future. Um, where yeah, and
0: is that Mangold? Is yep. man, okay, that's not a bad idea. That's not a that's a step in the in a good direction. Not one I would have picked, but
1: <laughs> no, I mean it could be worse. It could be J.J. J. Abrams. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, listen, I agree with you, actually.
1: <laughs> Man, uh, just the, uh, the the sheer amount of fan service that would be in that, that would be nuts. But uh, I think Mangold's an interesting Barf.
0: Choice. Barf. Can I just say that distortedly? Barf. You're, <laughs> like, you said the word fan service, and I actually needed to mute and throw up in my mouth, and then unmute and throw up on the mic.
2: I mean, how much more could there be than this movie? This movie has so much of it. Yes, Okay. Yes. Joe, mm-hmm. f- keep talking. It,
0: uh, eventually I'm going to, we're, we're going down the right path for me to talk about what I love and hate about this movie.
2: Oh yeah. We, well, we... well, Joe, well, I have one question for you while you're, you're recounting your uh, opinion on the franchise. You, you did bring up something that kind of spurred my memory. When we did Temple of Doom, did we talk about, uh, I think particularly in the opening, if I remember, you have a better memory than I, which is why I'm asking you. Did we talk about how sometimes it feels like Spielberg is doing a Spielberg impersonation and not really kind of into it? Cause that's kind of what feels like it's going on here too.
1: Uh, I don't remember if we talked about it in relation to the openings, but I do remember we talked about it um, at some point along the way. Uh, and I agree with you um, that uh, I think sometimes in these movies, uh, post Jurassic Park, the first one, um, that he kind of gets in this weird mode of trying to be himself prior to making Schindler's list. Um, like yes. some- something like broke his brain um, doing that process and. I don't know. He just doesn't seem to. No, can't tell
0: you what that. But broke his brain. It's sure. called growth. It's called artistic growth. <laughs> you grow. I mean, honestly, and I, 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 I can and look and because it's all about me, and I can bring things back to me. All I want, please do, please do. Like I can relate to this anyway. But no, I. It's a strange thing when you when you grow and you no longer want to do the thing that you're really the best at and that everyone really wants from you, and. I have to imagine being Steven Spielberg that like post Schindler's List. Now you are really good at this. And, but the thing is you make more money and you also enjoyed and had fun doing being Steven Spielberg from the eighties and early nineties. And, uh, but you just don't have it in you to do that anymore. That's not the filmmaker you are. Now you've grown into a different filmmaker and, it like you're right, that's a hundred percent what like he you see him do regularly. It's like he'll do these series of movies that feel like I mean, this feels like it, it's good, but I feel like it would have been better if I had seen it in nineteen ninety one. Um like Bridge of Spies, like this would have been a really amazing movie in nineteen ninety one. Like but then you watch Munich and you're like, This is a great movie right now and uh it's a shame. Yeah. It's just a shame that artists grow. They can't just it- like stunt and stick in one place you know is it is
2: it is it a caring thing because even when he's going through these motions of he's doing his very Steven Spielbergy blocking and action and stuff he's still really good like you're watching you're like wow this is you know constructed nicely we're moving from here to there we're getting from A to B but you're just like yeah. something feels slightly off is it just that it, you can tell that he kind of doesn't care and he's just like he's, he's really good at being Steven Spielberg and doing these things but there's no love in it or what, like what is it I, what? I
0: wonder if it's almost like he plans it he cares about it when he plans it and he gets excited about it and Gets to doing it, he's like, "Oh wait, I did this already." Well, let's just uh, check off the list and uh, and do it. That's what it feels like to me.
2: I almost wonder if it's just like he's just like this is the way blocking works in his brain, and everyone else is just like, "Wow, that's really cool and it's really interesting," and I wouldn't have really thought to do that. But he's just like, I mean, yeah, that's just how I move the camera. Like I'm fine with that, and you know, there should be a little thing here that's kind of a joke and. We're going to, we're going to, he's going to lift the fist and somebody's going to grab the wrist and we're going to rotate around. We're going to see over her over there. It's like, oh, it's just like his reaction. This is what he does. But at the end of the day, it's just like, all right, we're plodding along. We're doing things. And maybe part of it is that, uh, muscle
0: memory. You're right. It's like Steven Spielberg muscle memory. Yeah. And
2: and I think the weirdest part about it is the opening of this movie feels like it feels deliberately or maybe not deliberately. It feels slower. Like he's trying, he's, he's doing his things, but he's doing it at a slower pace. And he's like, okay, I'm stretched out now. We can move faster. But it's like, why does the beginning of the movie feel like you're just getting started and getting into the groove? And then later on, you're kind of doing it a little bit better, but you still kind of don't care. Is it just me or is the beginning of this movie slower and more Uh, uh, define
0: when the beginning starts and ends? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, the whole uh, Area 51 stuff. So, I guess, including I, including I guess in the action, pre rocket sled, pre rocket sled. The that whole stuff is just like uh, Steven Spielberg paint by numbers.
0: And you know what's funny? I love Steven Spielberg paint by numbers. So you were just talking about this. Like it's actually really good. Like <laughs> I, uh, but I don't. But I agree with you. It's it's I love it, but it's also empty. Um, the 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 chase sequence. Like yes, it feels a little slow. I I like. Man, I, everything I'm, that's coming to mind right now is just confirming everything you're saying, and it's really that Spielberg muscle memory. Because I like the character introduction, I like, I like, like the idea, I like the idea of a lot of things in this movie. I like the idea of the car pulling up, uh, him being dumped out of the trunk, the hat falling, the shadow reveal, and him turning. And then he says Russians, and I'm out of it. Um,
2: but isn't so much of that stuff just like what would steven spielberg do of course steven spielberg would reveal the hat and then the shadow and it goes on the head it's like of course like there could be no other way steven spielberg would do this and then you know she says you recognize this building and he turns and looks what else is his reaction going to be other than go to hell or whatever it's like it's 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 uh, it's just so like yeah all right okay go on
0: it is it's paint by numbers it's like a lot of people showing up doing the thing they're like, oh, this is great. This is all going so exciting, and it's going to be great. And then you start doing it, and you're like, wait, this is it. Nothing, the 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 spirits of filmmaking aren't showing up and adding that extra oomph that makes this greater <laughs> than the sum of its parts. Well, I don't even get uh, the,
2: the sense that people are on set going like, oh, we're really doing the thing, guys. There, I I think it's just another day of work for them and. You know, they're just going about their business and trusting in Spielberg or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't get the feeling that there's joy behind that particular bit of it, or at least that scene. Okay,
0: all right, here. Correct me, please. No, 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 I'm not correcting you. I'm like, this is no, the perfect. No, correct way for... him. I want you to correct him. Shut <laughs> up, shut Let him. Let him tell me how smart I am. No, <laughs> no. you're right. And there's this that you've you've perfectly segued me like giving me the perfect in, uh, way into my overall feelings about this movie, which is that this is one of the only times I'm going to do this. Uh- Everything I've read about this, um, so everything I've read has leaned, has like, it seemed to insinuate that, not insinuate, point blank say, Lucas always wanted this to be, that it was Lucas's idea for this to take place, obviously in the, is it 50s or 60s? I can't remember. 50s. This is um,
2: 57, I think it said.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And then therefore it would be a B movie. Like it would be much more of a, it would, and it would deal with UFOs, flying saucers. Um and his it was his idea to tie that to the Mayan crystal skulls. Okay, right off the bat, I love that. I'm a huge fan of that idea. I'm a huge fan of that idea because it's way out there. It's different than what we've seen in the other Indiana Jones movies, and it feels like a natural, organic, crazy thing to try and do. So I'm excited by that. And it's pretty well documented that Spielberg and Ford were not into that. Um. And, but and that Lucas was standard Lucas like, well, it's not going to be a movie unless it has the things that I want to be in it. And it's <laughs> my really good Lucas impression. And <laughs> it's very <yeah>. good, <laughs> uh, it, you know. And it was it seemed to be pretty well documented, or at least the public story was that you know the three of them agreed they never they wouldn't make another Indiana Jones movie unless they all three agreed on it. Well, what that really means is. They're not going to make an Indiana Jones movie until they can all three negotiate and compromise and get to come to their own Frankenstein thing that has enough of what Spielberg wants, enough of what Ford wants and enough of what Lucas wants. And so what you get is this thing that is, is built on these crazy ideas that Lucas has that the bad guys are going to be, there's going to be uh, I mean, dude, my, like my uh, psychic, uh, Russians, there's uh uh, alien skulls that have magnetic properties and um flying saucers like all of this stuff like you write that down on a list for me and it's like the seth Worley love languages like i'm all about that like this sounds like the coolest craziest movie ever and now you're gonna risk the indiana jones franchise on that balls to the wall that's awesome like i'm all about that and you can tell watching this movie that Spielberg and Ford, neither of them were really into it, and so they're kind of just appeasing their friend George, and try, It's like it feels like they never really Spielberg, especially never really buys into it, and so it never gets a chance to be as wild and crazy and committed to as it could have been. So my criticism of this movie is that yeah, it's it's real dumb, but it could have been dumber and in a really good way.
2: Um, you're saying they didn't own it hard enough to really like make it acceptable.
0: That's how I feel. I feel like it deserved. I feel like the dumb things in this movie deserved a little bit, uh, just deserved a little bit more of a chance, uh, to try and be something so out there that it possibly could have worked. Like it just felt, I don't know. It felt like you're uh, waiting for him to
2: say like, we know this is dumb, but watch this. You've never seen this before.
0: Yeah. It just felt like the safe version of these dumb ideas. And that's why, and I'm not saying they would have worked, had had they fully committed? Like it could have been even stupider, but I don't know. The whole thing felt like a, an, a like just felt like a, a weird safe version of some really out there ideas. Um, yeah, so that's 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 how I feel when I watch this movie. Um, I I I I really love how it looks though visually. I think I love seeing Janusz Kaminsky play Dougie Slocum. Like I feel like that's a really fascinating uh we got a really fascinating visual results out of that the production design in this who was this this was um
1: hey that while you try to remember the production designer i'm going to push back on that and say i am allergic (laughs) to uh janos trying to (laughs) pretend to be uh i i I, really really hated the look of this uh it was so glowy and they tried to do some weird like cc stuff where the greens popped i think they were trying to like make it Seem fake ectochrome or something. I don't know what was going on, but it was really distracting to watch it. Uh, I, I, I now there there's just wide angles thrown in throughout here, but I didn't feel like it was. Um, it didn't feel like it was really telling the story through like the uh like very harsh uh lighting um techniques that uh, that Slocum would use. Um, like it really just felt sort of. Saturated, and then there'd be like a glowy highlight all over the side of something. Um, that would, and the glowy highlight would pop off the screen, and that's, that's what defined it. Um, it didn't, it didn't really, to me, feel like, uh, the earlier indie films.
0: Yeah, I get that. It felt, it just felt, you know, it might not even be the cinematography. It really might be more the production design. Uh, Guy Hendrix Diaz did it. He did Superman Returns. Um, before that, and after that, he ended up doing Inception, Steve Jobs. Um, but I, I remember really liking, I mean, I hate Superman Returns, but I remember <laughs> liking a lot about the look of Superman Returns.
1: Um, I would say the look was not the problem with that movie.
0: No, it wasn't at all. The look was like something that was benefiting, and it was fu- it looked very fun. Um, I like the color palette of this, and I understand you just ripped apart <laughs> the color palette of it, but um, I like it. It feels really pulpy. Uh, it feels interestingly more saturated than the other indie movies do, but again, all the things that I like about it are kind of like null and void because, uh, you know, the movie's bad. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, you could still like things about it even though it's bad. I
0: if know, it's- but it's sadder. I've talked about this before. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's like Man of Steel, you know, the Man of Steel score and the cinematography of Man of Steel, like, all those... Man of Steel has so many interesting things about it and so many like beautiful things about it. And the problem is it's Man of Steel. And and it's terrible. And so all the great things are more depressing and harder to enjoy because they never got to really live because they were built on the back of something that was deflated and weird. Mm. I made this now a Man of Steel uh, podcast. I really Sorry.
1: wasn't expecting I had not prepared my notes for that. Um, but... Uh... I, I mean, I, I do agree with you. It's hard to enjoy anything about this. Um, although there were a couple moments uh, in the course of the film that I was like, oh, look, this is, like, while it's paint-by-numbers, it's like, this is that thing that I like sort of peeking out through the rest like of this nonsense. Um, I would say when they get to Cusco, oh, no, not Cusco, uh, the the other Peruvian city, uh, where they are in the cemetery and going through uh, the sort of... Uh, the tomb and they get the draft through the spider webs and they figure out that that's that thing and then they go and then they're on that big dial thing that flips over to the other side yeah and then they are exploring that tomb um you know like don't worry about the big scorpions it's just the little ones you got to worry about uh don't be quiet about those ones um like that kind of thing it's like yeah that's all indiana jones grave robbing 101 um but it's it's enjoyable still to watch that part um it did subtract somewhat from it that also part of what you get in the indiana jones grave wrapping 101 is the um local um people who seem to uh have uh sort of i don't know how to say this nicely um the the lens of hollywood uh circa 1930 as applied to um the ethnicities and regionality of uh of other people um where they get to be uh sort of yeah wall crawling dart spewing people
0: and no
2: value of life no whatsoever uncultured savages yeah
1: it it is one of those things where i kept expecting at some point in this movie uh, the first time i saw it not this time because obviously i knew better but um i kept expecting that at some point they'd be like oh we're gonna have a conversation with this these people who are participating in this process uh who are keeping us away from this <laughs> grave and it's like no it, it just we, I literally just blew a dart into one of them it, one of their mouths and they oh. killed over dead and then I cracked they're a joke over them they have corpse. spears and
2: things that's about it
1: yeah and uh then there's the um the people who are uh, guarding the 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 final uh city that they're going to and it's just like oh yeah they crawl out of the walls and break all of the stuff to come out of there and it's like well I guess that's that's a look, um, it's supposed to, I guess, be scary, but at the same time, it's just like, why were they all in there? Who are, who are these people? And then it's like, aha, we've defeated you by holding the skull. And then all the Russians killed you. Okay, great. Moving on. And it's like, okay, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> none, none, none of these people that have, you have, uh, murdered, uh, get to be defined by anything other than they were supposed to be spooky for a minute. Um, it, it's, it's a really peculiar look for this franchise, but it's something they've done a lot. Um, especially in, like, Temple of Doom, but, you know, in this one, it's, like, there's nothing that defines them at all. Uh, we don't know anything about
0: yeah, them. Yeah, it never looks good on this franchise. Uh, you're right. It's, like, the low points of this franchise tend to also involve uh, pretty shitty representations of other cultures, like, made-up versions of um, kind of, like, every stereotype you could find of the yeah. other and putting it, them in. It, yeah, you're right.
1: It feels very, it feels very like 1930s Hollywood. Um, it doesn't, it, and you know that might be part of the appeal for. But in the bad way. all the but bad it, parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was not a compliment <laughs> that I was that was leveling there. Um, but but yeah, that that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I can, I, I could still enjoy like that. You know, get back to get back to the parts that I enjoy. I could still enjoy like the 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 grave robbing part of that and their uh, rapport back and forth between Shia and Indy, which we haven't even talked about um, yet. The the uh, the big drama at the time that this movie came out was like, oh yeah, we we cast Indiana Jones' son, and it is um, Sam Wickie um, and um, also known <laughs> for many other things. It is here you go, you have you have your new Indiana Jones' son, and it is uh, Shia LaBeouf.
0: I get that casting. I don't think it was doomed from the beginning. I think yeah. Uh... I, I I'm a big early Shia fan. Uh and it's not just because he looked very much like my brother. Um <laughs> I think I've told the story on the podcast when Plot Device, my short film in two thousand eleven came out, it uh one of our favorite comments was somebody said just said nothing else, just said Shia Junior sucked. And, <laughs> and so for So he's Shia's uh, huh? son? <laughs> I know, I, I don't really understand it, because, yeah. Uh, so we got, uh, for Christmas, I had a shirt, T-shirt made for Ben that just says, in the plot device uh, title, style, like, style, says Shia Jr. sucks, like, big on the the shirt, and uh, he still wears that shirt regularly. It's pretty um, good. But uh, I I like Shia, I, I get the idea of Spielberg's experience with Shia, and, like, seeing, like, I guess the thing about Shia LaBeouf is he, he, Transformers movies are dumb and bad and no one should watch them because you should value your life and time. But, he is really, really good at performing to nothing. He's really good at selling VFX um, and committing to, like, a performance. He, like, it, it's, uh he's very, he was, in his, earlier, is very fun to watch. It Even Stevens on Disney Channel, which is a very, very <laughs> silly show. He was very <laughs> funny on Even Stevens. Um, but yeah, here he's already starting to sour uh, and he's already starting to become that like, this is like right when he started to pivot from being likable to being like, oh, he's kind of a child star grown up now and starting to crash. And it totally like hurts any possible chance he had of being really likable in the movie. Maybe that's just me. I mean, you guys are probably just like, yeah, he's bad.
2: No, no, no. I mean, he he's he's met Michael Bay at this point. And I think that kind of changed everything for him.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: great influence, Michael Bay. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I gotta say, like, he's not the worst thing about this movie, and I certainly don't like hate him. But I, it's just one of those strange artifacts of time that you look back on it now, and you're just like,
0: huh. So, yeah, he dates it. It's like his existence in it, like, suddenly puts it, <laughs> pegs it right there in 2008. More so
2: than the movies uh, purportedly taking place in the 50s, Shia LaBeouf being in it. You're like, oh, I know when this happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was 2008.
2: Yep. Um, right so, the, uh, on that note, something I want to ask both of you about is how do you feel about, uh, given that you have opinions on the franchise as a whole, how do you feel about this idea of bringing Indiana Jones' son into the storyline?
0: It's obvious, but I mean,. It, the only thing I can think that's bad about it. We're not. I'm not talking about the execution of this movie, right? We're just talking about the idea of bringing yeah, yeah, a yeah. son. Yeah, I think it's obvious, uh, and that's that's the most negative. No, nope. two negative things about it. One, it's obvious. So, no, no, that's the one obvious thing. Because then,
1: <laughs> wait,
0: what I was gonna that, say? Less count. <laughs> sorry, it's that one thing. It's obvious. What I, the second thing I was gonna say was like, why does it have to be a son? Why can't it be a daughter? But that is an answer to how do we make it less obvious. And how we make it more fresh of an idea? And we say, well, we hire Anna Kendrick to come in and be the daughter. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: Indiana Jones Five.
0: <laughs> or Did you hear that horrible comment, horrible joke Spielberg made in an interview where he said, if it was a girl, it had to be Indiana Jane? And someone oh. was like, that's not how last names work, Steven. <laughs>
1: i completely forgot about that until right now like i had blocked that out of my mind um
0: uh, oh. such a, it's an old man joke yeah and and it just does it's not the time to make that old man joke no.
2: mm, oh boy um so yes it's obvious um what about i mean it again does it make it doubly obvious that it's marion's son
0: yes that's too much
2: yeah uh, especially even more so that he doesn't recognize the name Marion just with a different last name earlier in the movie, but that's fine. Whatever. Um,
1: well, I, I gotta say for us as the audience, it was hard to buy that because we saw Karen Allen's credit at the beginning of the movie. So you're just like, yeah, yeah. So, um, Karen Allen's in this movie. Uh, she's in all of the advertising for this movie. Uh, maybe there's so- two
2: Marions in this movie. You don't know. Yeah.
1: that Well, that would have been an interesting twist. Um, but, uh, but the
0: thing is, there's also a lot of... The whole movie is weird because there's all these things that feels like it's setting up and then it doesn't pay off. But then new things... Instead of those things being set up like... Um, I'm not going to dive into them. But instead of these things that are being set up, well, like government agents accusing India of being a commie, like... As an example, like you think they're setting up these things they are going to pay off, and then in the and then they instead of paying them off, they just introduce new things. And so, Marion, it's like it gets to a point in the movie very early on where you're like, I'm just going to stop taking in information because I don't know if this movie needs me or wants me to remember it. Yeah.
2: Um, I think that's and one Marius- of the things that I, I noticed in this movie because uh, I I remembered a lot of the plot points, but I forgot that basically that whole opening at Area Fifty One is basically irrelevant to the plot. Like the the alien body that they take, I guess the justification is that uh, this this crew of folks is going around just collecting potential weird alien artifacts. Like that's the whole reason that that opening exists. Because like later no, that's she they get the skull, right? No, no, she, she they have the alien body in that tent, and she like peels the The skin back to go like look the aliens are made out of crystal but this is not the crystal skull the crystal skull is the one that OX found and hid in what's his name's uh uh oh, tomb You're or whatever right. I, I completely yeah. forgot about that because it's was like of course they go steal the alien because the alien skull has to be the crystal thing but no no that alien is separate that alien exists only to point out that a aliens exist and b they're made out of crystal like other than so that this it is doesn't other, need to this be the there
0: the other thing about Spielberg this is classic Spielberg. Spielberg that doesn't care is is going to give you really great action, and he's really not going to care too much about the, the loose ends of the plot and, like, the things that don't work about the script. He's just like, <laughs> I'm literally going to give you a fun first viewing, and that's it. Like, don't look too close at it. Don't watch it again. Like... <laughs> This is what I'm going to give you. And well, when you talk about like stopping,
2: taking in information like that, that's the problem with this movie is like you watch the first 30 minutes and there's action and there's alien and there's stuff and then he gets fired and then he's like, I don't know what I'm going to go do now. And then Shia pops up to go like, hey, character we haven't talked about or introduced yet in this movie is missing and I need your help. So it's like the movie starts over after we've watched all that stuff. And it's like, well, well, why? Why do we do all that other stuff several times? And then why now? Like what? Okay.
1: Well, I mean, I think they're trying to preserve that sort of cold open device that they, you know, originally borrowed from James Bond, um, but used since. I mean, the cold very...
2: open—it's like it's a cold third of a movie, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the Cold War, and so it's, it's a the stone coldest.
0: cold open, and that it is just not. Oh God, Joe, I, we <laughs> almost didn't hear it. We almost didn't hear it. Um, no, uh, no, yeah. It—I'm trying to remember. La- Last Crusade opens with. That's the thing is that these movies that they still. The Good Cold opens, they still connect to the rest of the story. It's not like The Simpsons. like They still connect to the rest of the story. Raiders, at the very least, introduced... I mean, one, introduced the character. We hadn't met him before. We had every right for it to have nothing to do with the rest of the movie. But it introduced Belloc as well. Um, and to the point that when Belloc shows up again later, we weren't actually expecting that. We had like, we'd forgotten about Belloc at that point. But the movie's so efficient that it didn't introduce any other villains except Balak. And it didn't even introduce Nazis yet. It just talked about them. Didn't show them yet at that point. Um, I'm going on about how Great Raiders is. (laughs) This movie introduced so many bad guys in the beginning. And including uh, like the American, the guy from Scrubs and uh, uh, the, you know, the American agents and then never brings them out. So you don't trust this movie because you're like, you're right, it restarts several times
2: and And it doesn't help that you've got Ray Winston in there as, as double agent, but then fake double agent or triple agent oh, or something. God. Like that's not helpful.
0: There's a really, really bad B-roll clip I remember from this where uh it's uh Ford and Spielberg talking on set. And Ford is like uh he's like he's, you know, doing a line reading for Steven and he's like, um, are you a double? What are you a double, triple agent? And he like counts on his in his hand, and apparently the counting on the hand is like the thing that 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 Ford's bringing to the performance. And Spielberg like laughs and is like, "That's great, do that." Uh, it's <laughs> Harrison Ford counts to three. It's yeah, it's just it it's just marvelous to see to see just like yeah uh that that's that's the, that's the magic of filmmaking that you're watching they're really the bringing their a Crystal game to Skull. this set is what they I were know. doing
2: yeah I, all i really want to talk about is stuff like that like i want to talk about like what it must have been like in the writer's room with all of these guys and, and what their like line in the sand was about stuff that had to be in the movie and why they could like who who was the one that went to bat for swinging on the vines with monkeys like uh. how how did that get there 100% that, George Lucas. I think,
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. That sounds like a Spielberg thing to me. Um,
1: you think? Because he's just like, oh, oh, I remember man. the Tarzan TV show. I want to throw in some of that.
0: I mean, dude, have you seen Tintin? Like, it sounds like a Spielberg thing, like Sweeping I, on Vines with Monkeys. I
1: I um, won't see Tintin on principle, um, and I'm also not going to see you, BFG. Um, sorry, world. Uh, that's B- not BFG's
0: boring. Uh, BFG's boring. Tintin actually has some fun things, but it's very much, it's like grandpa humor. Um, but, uh, you know, if if you've read the, have you guys read any of the, uh, like the Frank Darabont draft of this when it was Indiana Jones and Destroyer of Worlds? um, No, we, we, I need
1: you to back up on that. I don't, I don't know anything about the Frank Darabont Destroyer of Worlds stuff. What was that?
0: Okay. So let me see if I can remember. Uh, there was a draft of this. Of Indiana Jones for uh, before Frank Darabont came on. Golly. I wish I'd done, I wish I'd brushed up on this before this podcast, but I didn't get a chance to. Um, I could just. I mean, I would have just let
1: it right slide, now. but you, you, you mentioned it. So now you have to actually do the research and support Well, your case. Because, well, here's what I know. Uh, I know for a fact
0: because I've read it. Darabont, Darabont had a uh, working on it for a period of time. Um, I'm gonna just while I'm saying this, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Uh,
2: presumably, there was some sort of tie in to the fact that an atomic bomb uh appears in the beginning of this movie, and they could have potentially
0: the opening was pretty much the same. Um, the opening uh at Area 51 was pretty much the same. You uh, I remember in the script of that one the lot the arc of the covenant being so on the nose. Um, I don't know what tour, you mean. The theme. Oh my God. It's Whether the there's worst a music cue for it? Fanservice. <laughs> it is the worst moment of fan service ever. Like, second only to the entirety of Rise of Skywalker. Um,
1: yeah. And then the, the digi double of, uh, uh, of, Of uh, uh forgot what, it's, what his name is. Ah, this would have been a joke had I remembered the name of a character. But um, anyway. So. That's, just,
0: that's the name of my autobiography.
1: Who was who was who was um the the school dean who's a statue now who falls into the lap of the KGB guys oh when he crashes into him? Oh, Brody, Brody. Okay, so if they had the digi double of Brody, you know, present a medal to the the Ark of the Covenant, I think that would have been perhaps the ideal moment um for for this film.
0: Okay, I was wrong. Indiana Jones and the City of Gods was the name of the Darabont script. Uh. Um, Destroyer of Worlds was, I guess, was a temporary title of this so, god i'm trying i'm trying to look up and see if this some stuff and see if i can brush up my memory of this i know david Kep was brought in late but there were several writers between uh Kemp and derabont
1: that's interesting though uh, cuz david kap you know i expect because spielberg um they've worked together for so long at this point um and he's like
0: he's he's a good reliable writer for you know he's a guy who comes in and paints a house really really well for you <laughs> yeah it's true yeah. i'd call him his a house painter actually more than that i think he's a really good like he's made it, I don't, anyway go ahead sorry
1: he embellishes ahead. on the houses a little it'd be like oh wow you know i didn't expect to to have that trim like like that right he's there.
0: writing for spielberg yeah. i mean you know
1: yeah so I, right. I don't know he, he's I think his but to your point, I think his greatest asset might be his ability to say, Yeah, sure, whatever you want, George and Steve. Um but uh he he uh you know, he's pliant to their demands, um and uh he's able to wield that in some ways into a thing that seems like a Spielberg movie. Um uh, more more so than I would say uh what is it? There were like three writers in Temple of Doom, um, and I don't think any of them really pulled that off. Uh trying to capture what happened in the previous film. Um, so it, it's not, I don't want to be too dismissive about that skill, but it's, it's just, you know, you're, you're doing a job where it's like, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want, Steve, whatever you want, George. Sure. Whatever you mm-hmm. want.
2: No, he, he took a, a banker's box of uh movie beat Legos and put them together in order and made a a thing that looks like a thing, but there's just a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness to it. Uh, and, We're
0: talking about David Kapp right now.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Whoever we want to lay responsibility for the the, no, the final no, no. plot of this film on.
0: Well, but he was really very much stitching together four or five different things.
2: So, oh yeah, it totally feels I, like he stitched them together, and he did a nice job of like like the scenes flow from scene to scene, like you, you you can follow why they're going to where they're going, but and you can see all the beats, like oh, there's a cool thing, like they're swinging with monkeys, and there's waterfalls and stuff and that's like the thing he said and he's uh, okay he's, he's, he's doing auto writing and his, his, his brain is fried right now like you see all those pieces and, and how they interconnect and are sort of interwoven but when you take a step back you're like what is this monstrosity
0: okay
1: you found you know, the google stuff now
0: well I'm, p- I'm finding it all it's re- yeah refresh so like found in the alien- back of his memory there was uh, yes called wikipedia um, after last crusade
1: can you write it out for us in ideograms?
0: Uh yes, I can. Ideograms?
1: I- I- ideograms. Uh that was that was what he said when uh when John Hurt was scribbling.
0: Oh damn, it see here's the truth. I didn't get to rewatch the movie before this. I'm going totally off memory. Uh, that's um,
1: no one could tell until now.
0: <laughs> um that's sad. Uh, if that's true, that's sad that I retained that much of the movie. <laughs> you, know, um, you know a lot about movies. That I walk around with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, this much of it in me. Um, so the B movie thing was uh, was Lucas's thing he wanted since 1992, December 1992. Um, and the first, they had Jeb Stewart, who wrote The Fugitive, um, turned in a script, I believe it called Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. They were really, really leaning into it. Um. Uh, Ford disliked. The, okay, I'm gonna go read the Wikipedia. Ford disliked the new angle, telling Lucas, "No way am I being in a Steven Spielberg movie like that." Um, that was Pitch Perfect. Harrison Ford. Another Spielberg himself uh, resisted it. Uh, Lucas did it anyway. Um. Uh, and it appears. Uh, Stewart did two drafts. Jeffrey Baum, who wrote Last Crusade, came on to do the next three versions last of which completed in March 96. Three months later, Independence Day was released, and Spielberg told Lucas he would not make another Alien Invasion film. (laughs) Uh,
1: Thank you again, Roland Emmerich.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How often do we get to say that? (laughs) (laughs) At his Lifetime Achievement Award uh, ceremony, and and no other time. Um, Oh, this is the worst part. Sorry. This is the
0: worst part. Lucas convinced Spielberg to use aliens in the plot in the plot by saying they were not extraterrestrials, but interdimensional, with this concept taking inspiration in the superstring theory. Spielberg and Lucas discussed the central idea of a B-movie involving aliens. Lucas suggested using crystal skulls to ground the idea. And Spielberg apparently was convinced by the idea of them being interdimensional, not extraterrestrial. Which, by the way, we all cared when we were watching this movie that there was a difference between the two. I, no, I, well, that that I,
2: was I something s- I wanted to ask about, but I also... Yeah. Don't think it mattered, ultimately, in the plot. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you have the same question as me, but, like... No, I have, it... the, I have the same opinion
1: you have right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go okay. ahead. <laughs> so,
2: they, they, they open a, an interdimensional portal, and Oxley suddenly can talk again. It's like, okay, cool, they're, they're, they're going to go to another dimension. Um, but then, also, it's a flying saucer that goes up into the air, and then it, it disappears inside of its own portal. Or something like i don't understand anything about yeah you the, the, can't you can't happening. pass through
0: dimensions without flying you have to fly first you have to fly and up then, about a
2: 100 meters and then you can go inside your own portal butthole inside your spaceship yeah and, and, uh, the portal
0: butthole and then uh, the, uh, of course like my the, wife just gave me a look sorry go ahead. <laughs> i just said portal butthole <laughs> apologies to
2: your wife um and that that makes uh more sense than the fact that ray Winstone can't he he gets sucked into the portal butthole, forever being eight eight steps further down the staircase than Indiana Jones. Like I I'm watching that I'm like what? what the, there's nothing separating them. Why is he getting sucked in the portal and Indiana Jones is fine with his whip? And then it flies up, and all the rocks are there, and none of them hit them, which, whatever, fine, it's a movie. And then they just vaporize, and then the rocks fall down, and then there's water. It's like none, none of that makes any sense. It was very Steven Spielberg and cinematic and stuff, but I don't—I I, I might as well turn my brain off. It was a compromise.
0: The whole thing feels like a compromise. It feels like Spielberg not wanting to do aliens, and Lucas wanting to do aliens, and so they decided on that.
2: Well, and Worse than that, it feels like both of them standing on set going— the hell should our next shot be? I don't know where to go from here. Like, I know that they have to get onto the top of the mountain, and water's gonna come down. But like, I literally don't know how to go from here to there. Like, all right, portal sucks the bad guys up. Okay, cool. And yeah, then... musical crescendo, and we'll
0: just have John Williams transition us into the next conversation.
1: Yeah, and like that hallway they run down, where the the uh, gears, the stone gears, are like destroying the hallway. It's like, when when did what? Like, uh, how did that have anything to do? And they get to the the thing and then and, like the water pushes them up the well thing. And it's like, was that designed on purpose like that? Are we on a Disney ride? <laughs> like, I don't no, understand like, why uh, this would
2: exist. Somebody's like, journey to the center of the earth. I know how we're getting out. We're going out through a tube. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. So how did they get, just, just like, follow follow me here. Like, how do you get from the center of where they were in that valley to where they were on the cliffs overlooking the valley? by way of that walkway and that well that they went straight up.
2: They did it. You saw it. <laughs> they ran one
1: way for a while and then they went up. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so the whole thing just feels like, okay, well we need to get far enough away that we can see that it was all a flying saucer. Great. We did it. And then it goes away. And because we had the asterisks of the character explaining that they're interdimensional aliens twice, John Hurt talks about it twice. Um, then we have solved the problem of them being alien aliens and we don't need to worry about that anymore because now uh it's just interdimensional and it's not the same thing and that makes someone happy but it doesn't make the audience happy and the audience is left wondering why does that distinction exist at all uh for us here like if it had gone up in the air and left would that have been any different for us if it uh was from the same plane of existence would that have mattered at all um instead it's interdimensional for uh, apparently you know minor quibbles between these these two people who've been trying to get something made for 18 years um before they put you know the the final the final agreement on on this thing going up
2: and this is why I want to turn the mic next to Seth because from the beginning you said you're on board with like let let's do aliens let's do Indiana Jones like I I'm all for it like wh- where did they lose you or like what would you have wanted out of uh Indiana Jones and aliens movie?
0: I I all I just know I don't I don't need to see. It's like as if you if you pulled up Joe Fraternity. Up to the table, and we're like, "Tell me what you want from an Indiana Jones movie." They tell you what yeah, that's Indiana my, Jones movie? Yeah, that's meeting. my sister. Yeah, Joe Fraternity. So, your sister's name is Joe Fraternity? Yeah, that's, that's how <laughs> that's how last names work. That's that's You've how established last that. work. Oh my god, so good. Joe. Sorry, <laughs> took me a second. Okay, so Joe Fraternity, s- sweet sweet lady, pulls up, sits down. And we say, what belongs in an Indiana Jones film? And she says, I'm, I'm trumping right now. I'm. By the way, I forgot what I was going to say. So I'm just like saying random things until I remember. Now I remember. Okay. Uh, they're going to tell you, oh, it needs to have biblical artifacts. It needs to have a brown desert color palette. Um, it needs to have tombs. It needs to have et cetera. Like, and it feels like that's what Spielberg, knowing what a Spielberg movie should look like and what an Indiana Jones movie should look like and be like, it feels like it's this tug of war between Lucas trying to do something new and weird. Not saying it would have been good. I mean, can't guarantee that. But and it's Spielberg pulling it back to what he thinks people want to see. And I don't care about what people want to see. We have other movies to get to see it. Like take chances and make something super weird if you're going to. Um the whole third act of this movie feels like it is so boring and it's so long. And it's, I mean, literally I, I zoned out while Joe was reliving the third act of like going down and like of the, of the gears and the water pulling you back up. But like after the ants, I just lose my (laughs) attention completely. And I, I don't love the execution of the ants, but I, I love the ants and I will, I count that ant sequence as one of the things I like about the movie. I'm not saying it's great. Not saying it makes any lick of sense, but I, you know, me and my love for lots of tiny things, uh, <laughs> uh, attacking and killing people. Oh, I thought you were just going to say
2: like, your love of lots of tiny things. Like you're a big fan of I love little tiny things.
0: <laughs> I love little things, you know, lots of them. Blueberries. Bubbles.
2: Um, but, but can you imagine, like, do you have an idea in your head? Uh, cause I know we've done this before where we pitch like Seth Rider's room to, to these people. You- I
0: don't have a better pitch of this. Uh, or at I least a coherent
2: of way around. of getting aliens into an Indiana Jones plot.
0: Well, that backstory that that Indy tells that we all forget about, where he's like, oh, it was out in the middle of the night and they dragged us out and we looked at an alien and then we got back on a bus. Like, I want that story. What is that? Um, <laughs> you want the Roswell Crash version of it? Yeah. Like, take that pulpy... 50s alien, uh, New Mexico, uh, uh, pop culture, and like give me an Indiana Jones movie set in that. Like, take that a little bit seriously and have some fun, but not like, you know, when I say a little seriously, I don't mean like Christopher Nolan seriously, but I mean like, (laughs) like, have some fun with it and don't, like, don't, don't, don't ham it up or camp it up. Like, Mm. actually try to tell like a, uh, I don't say Johnny Quest style. The no, Johnny Quest is maybe the bad example here, but
2: well, I think what you're um, what you're dancing around it is that Roswell's story probably would have been like 1950s uh, Independence Day, and that would have been a little too similar.
0: It would have been a little too similar, but I, I gotta tell you, I remember how fun that first. It, it's bad the Independence Day, but how fun it was in the theaters. Oh hell really yeah, dude! So I went so to money. see
2: that uh, opening weekend for my birthday.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you gave us something that was as fun as that was uh, with Indiana Jones in his, and somehow just gave him slightly tighter pants, like, why were the pants so baggy? <laughs> Have you talked about the baggy pants?
2: Why are his pants so baggy? He's wearing pajamas. Mary has got the baggiest of the pants by my estimation. I really... He's like
0: pants my dad wears. And that's really probably what it was. But, like, even him as Han Solo, he's, I mean, he's in a different different physical shape for Han Solo. And people... I'm not trying to body shame Harrison Ford. I'm trying to body shame Indiana Jones here. But
2: he's in good shape when they're mopping him off for in the radiation shower.
0: You're right. He is. So why were the pants so baggy? Um,
2: <laughs>
0: Joe, do you have That's a so pants weird. theory?
1: I, I'm i going to let you guys in on a little secret. I gave zero thought to his pants. Um,
2: wow. And, yeah. Wow, Joe it was literally
0: the first thing i noticed i remember watching the movie it was this wide shot he's waddling through area 51 the warehouse switch i was like he's like metal who's got metal and he's like doing this (laughs) waddle thing with these with these he's like waddling like an old man with these big baggy pants i'm sorry i can't get behind the giant (laughs) pants just I'm just scrolling through some
2: of the images now to see if he had pleats too. I think a couple of these pairs of pants had pleats on them. Oh,
0: well, that was the style at
1: the time. Um, but mm. the oh yeah,
2: there's some pleats.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, you can't get away from pleats. Um, especially in the 50s. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. This, I think, I think I could buy into a lot of the the connections they were trying to make. Like, oh well, the, there were aliens who came back and they you know, influenced early civilization in these ways. That's um, not an original theory, um, to anyone involved in the production of this film. And, uh, they just really wound up making it unpleasant, um, by the end of it. And, uh, it's like, so, you know, you had a, I think a decent enough setup. Um, you had enough spooky mystery about it. Um, you had enough like weirdness to it where it's like, uh, you know the 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 magnetism that uh, works for plot purposes, but um, literally no other reason, uh, like that that kind of stuff. Where it, it's like it you can you can just make this thing seem weird, like the ants diverting around it. It's like well that that's interesting stuff, and that the these people were influenced by this this alien culture, and it's like okay, well fine, that's that's fine. And then they finally get to that room at the end, and you're just like oh this is awful the payoff for this was terrible uh there was mm. really no reason for any of this that whole like last i don't know five minutes of Kate blanchett's life in this where you're just like you're just gonna stand in this room now and just stare at them and say tell yeah. me everything tell me everything in Ugh. your worst natasha accent
0: it was just it was giving us what i'm i don't care i have no interest in what a filmmaker thinks An Indiana Jones movie should be or what a filmmaker thinks a Star Wars movie should be. Um, The most interesting new Star Wars movies were ones that were like well this is what this Star Wars movie should be, not what a Star Wars movie should be. Um, Does that make sense? What I just said? It makes sense in my head. And you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark was what Lucas and Kasdan and Spielberg thought an adventure movie should be. And this was just what they thought a Indiana Jones movie. What the three of them, what, the, what Ford and Lucas and Spielberg thought an Indiana Jones movie should be. Yeah, it's like, it's my, what did I say? That Jack Sparrow crap that I I went about. Three Loves of Jack Sparrow. Yeah, The Three Loves of, Jack Sparrow. of says, yeah, Jack Sparrow. But I think about it, it's like, Elliot and Rossio, they knew, like, in Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, they were making what they thought a pirate movie should be. And then the second and third, they're making what they think a Pirates of the Caribbean movie should be. Mm. And, you're serving a franchise and not a genre you love or not a um, kind of movie you want to make. You're serving like an installment of a franchise you want to make. And it just, it that's where it, I I don't know. I have a, theory, I, I have a feeling that that's where a lot of these things possibly go wrong. I also, now we're at the point where I feel guilty for sitting around talking about how how people should have done it, how these heroes of mine should have done it, <laughs> no um, I
2: think I think you framed it the correct way, in that they they all they tried a bunch of interesting ideas, they just didn't really put in enough effort to. They didn't commit to it. And, you know, to that, like, a lot of the stuff that really loses me in this movie is Kate Blanchett and her, like, psychic powers and stuff are, like, staring into the skull and, like, is it actually affecting them or is Indiana Jones faking it so they'll unbuckle him so he can punch the double agent guy in the face or, like, all of that stuff is so shortchanged that I can't tell if, is he faking it? Is this consequential? Is it real? Yeah. Like, like they were, they were hitting on some kind of... Almost like Captain America: The First Avenger stuff there, with like you know Nazis getting into like weird occult stuff, and that was kind of an interesting idea. But it's so shortchanged that I, it's you can't you can't put any weight behind it while you're watching this movie, or you'll just you'll be incredibly disappointed.
1: I do like yeah, that I, your first thought was to go to Captain America: First Avenger instead of Indiana Jones. Um, for for, for Nazis well, being interested like, in the like, cult. <laughs>
2: they're really leaning into it. you got crystal skulls. you basically got, you know, almost like a, a red skull level of silliness involved, but you're like mixing it in with World War II type stuff. So it's like, it feels like they're kind of going down that path, but they really didn't come close to committing uh, nearly as as hard they as Captain America did. They didn't
0: commit narrative to it. They didn't commit story to it as a problem. Like they didn't have that. Her psychic abilities did not play into, that was not a, that did not like affect the stakes of the overall narrative at all. And it seemed fake um, because the
2: first time she tried to do it, it, it didn't work on Indiana Jones. She's yeah. like, ah, you're hard to read. It's like, you're just, you're full of shit, aren't you?
0: She didn't make it, that didn't make it harder on our heroes. It didn't make it, it didn't come back to bite our heroes in the ass later. It was not, it had, it had no effect on our heroes. You know, I'm remembering now a thing that when I watched this, we watched through all of them with my son, um it was sometime in the past year. And he asked me, I wrote it down because that's where I found it. He asked me this amazing question during the beginning of watching this one. He said, so is his old age part of the story? Like, is he going to do anything in this one that he couldn't do in the other ones because he wasn't old then? <laughs> and oh, <God. laughs> what
2: a, an
0: incredibly insightful yeah.
2: question to start with. Yeah. Right. right? That something that would not occur to old men making this movie.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes, and you know that's the one thing that gets me a little bit excited about Mangold taking over. Oh yeah, because he's already he's already proven he knows how to uh, he knows how to make age part of a uh, you know like he knows how to teach old dogs new tricks. Story. Boom, and I'm out. That's really when <laughs> I should just drop it. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: so died.
0: <laughs> sorry i'm dying now it was so
2: good <laughs> um
1: i mean i i agree with you like uh I well i agree with your son um like the age of indiana jones does not come into play at all here um he he is basically at the level of william shatner in star trek II: the wrath of khan um in 1982 where it's like oh i have a son that i didn't know about and, and it's like okay well that's fine for william shatner in 1982 but is you know why? Because
0: too- the movie was about mortality. It was about oh my god, yeah, because it, it was part of the story. That's why it was so good.
1: Yeah, and this is two thousand eight, and basically everything's fine in Indiana Jones' life, other than he, he got a
2: fired, of, Joe. Yeah, you know
1: I mean, other than <laughs> other than being fired and having He's been some accused red of wine. being a
0: traitor to his country, his dad is also dead. All he has left is a headshot from the previous film framed on his desk. That's all he has left of his father.
1: But there's nothing about that that impacts his own mortality or his thoughts on the world or uh, his thoughts towards, you know, Marion or uh, his son. They didn't even
2: get into the complex relationship. They're just like, ah, we're going to argue around a campfire for a few minutes and then suddenly we're in love and then let's get married.
0: Yeah. And again, just like we set up bad guys that don't come into play. We set up themes that don't ever come into play like his mortality and like, and the line we've reached the, uh, Point where life stops giving giving us things and starts taking them away, like that's interesting. Really wish she could have just <laughs> kept doing that, like kept talking about that. Let's keep ask, let's keep asking questions about that. So you're nah. you're
2: saying you wish they would have killed Marion? I no,
0: no, no, I don't think anybody <laughs> that said that. Said? <laughs> 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 nobody, nobody actually. I love the idea of bringing Marion back, but it was not, it didn't work at all. And part of me is, it's like. This movie is just such a mess. I don't know if you could have pulled anything.
1: I I mean, I like the idea of bringing Marion back. And I think for the most part, there are several good scenes with her and some witty dialogue between her and Harrison Ford. Because I think one of my main criticisms of these film franchises that uh, have a male protagonist is that oftentimes the male protagonist moves on and then new women Appear in their lives who are approximately the same age as the old women who were in their lives at yes. the time that those films occurred. Um and yeah,
0: Mission Impossible. Yeah, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and James Bond
1: specifically, Mission Impossible, James Bond. But um, it it, it it was so it was nice in some way to have a to have a connection to her that Karen Allen's actually there that Karen Allen was important and um able to do things on screen and had agency. Uh much in the same way that she was on screen and was able to do things and have agency in, in the first film. But, uh, the way they decided to wrap things up and make everything hunky dory, um, is the part I object to. Um, so if they had left it with things are more complicated than that, we can't just be a happy family now. Like we're not going to get married because that ship has sailed. Like we, we, we're not the same people who we were and we need to move on. Like if that had been where this went, like, you know, we were together in the jungle, but that doesn't mean that we're, you know, love lovers meant to be or anything like that. Like we were apart for so long. I had a child from you. Yeah,
0: We were together when you were a child and I was an adult.
1: Yeah. Well, that's also strange when you really think about that part, but, um, the, Didn't
0: we? I think we thought about it in the previous podcast. Yeah,
1: we did. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, you do the math on that; it's not great. Um, but it's 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 a situation where you're just like, yeah. So their 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 lives should you should have ended on the note of like their lives have moved on and they have different things that they need to do. It shouldn't have been, oh yeah, they're married now and they're a family and they're and all going to hang his job out
2: back. So everything's happy.
1: Yeah, it was it was such a weird happy ending. To tag on to this, it means that nothing really, um, nothing really mattered. It was just like we finished the mission, we completed the quest, back to everything being the, you know, being the ideal way that it was. It's like, how do you how do you go back to that? Like, uh, you have Oxley who has his brain and stuff, and like exists now um, in their lives.
0: And who the hell is Oxley? Why do we care? Oh my god. By the way, I agree with everything you're saying. It's wonderful. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to chime in with. Oh no, no, no. how much I it. but the it's character, hard. yeah, go ahead, yeah. keep going. Sorry, I
1: agree. I, I think, I think if, um, I think if this movie had been done earlier, that maybe Oxley would have been a different character um, who may have been more relevant. Abner Ravenwood, yeah, who may have been more relevant to things. But because of where we were at this point, um, you know, it's John Hurt playing this new character, and I don't have any. I don't necessarily have a problem with John Hurt uh, playing this character in this way. Um, he's supposed to be somebody who has lost his touch with reality because of this artifact. Um,
0: it's the Treasure Island character they referenced. I don't remember the character's name.
1: Yeah, and he he goes through all the cliches of that, but he does it well because he's John Hurt. Um, and it's just that he doesn't factor into like their lives really uh after this even though he was so impactful that it's what caused um mutt um to go uh seek out harrison ford by sight having never seen him before while he drove past a train on a motorcycle um but like that that was uh like ox was so meaningful and it's such a big connection for him but at the end of the day it's like yeah sure whatever like that doesn't doesn't connect he's got his brain back everybody's happy uh marion and and indy are married um the hat blew off the stand because the window the the doors to the chapel flung open uh and then indy picks it up and walks out and there's the music and it's just like okay but what was the impact of any of this what was it what did did that what impression did that leave on anybody you just gave them a happy ending so we'd feel good but at the same time, it's like none of them grew at all from this experience, and we have a bunch of people we don't know.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Mm. He moved some people around. That's
2: really it. Mm-hmm. And then put Indiana Jones right back where he was.
0: Yeah.
1: He's got his job back, like Dan said, and like everything's hunky-dory. Um, I don't know what was going on in Marion's life where she's like, yeah, I'm going to move it, hang out with you, professor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you think she, he insists that she call her professor? Probably. Or the other way around, I should have said. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you think they ever got the motorcycle back from the mm. cemetery in Peru? No.
2: No. Uh, I bet he probably stuffed his pocket with some gold coins, though, so he could buy himself a new motorcycle.
0: Mm-hmm. How about some fun trivia? Oh, good. <laughs> Trivia's good. I enjoy trivia. Yeah. So, two celebrity... Uh, Children are in the film. Can you place them? Uh, no. Oh, sorry. Children of celebrities.
2: Hmm. Still no. So
0: I believe uh, I'm going to get the name wrong, going from memory here. I think it's Sasha Spielberg. Definitely Spielberg's daughter is the girl in the uh, Soda Shop or whatever you call it that punches Shia LaBeouf in the face. Nice. Um, and uh unscripted just improvised just walked up <laughs> of... the, the the best and... part
2: about being steven spielberg's daughter is that you can punch shia labeouf in the face and uh people yeah. will think it's like oh that was great improv
0: people will think it's part of the plot yeah. well, also and... she's
2: she's
1: not just steven spielberg's daughter it's steven spielberg and kate capshaw's daughter
0: oh my god thank you thank you yeah. i'm i'm a sexist hashtag <laughs> so and uh the other uh there's probably plenty but the other one that i know of. Uh, is soon after, is in that same, uh, what is it, Marshall College, Marshall College chase sequence when they, when the kind of fun motorcycle chase sequence just comes to a, just deflates at the end and just stops because they go into the library and they slide under some tables and they come to a stop and they're like, okay, I guess we're done now. Um, and then the they just go ass. back to
2: his house. It's like, where do you think they're going to go? Yeah.
0: It, it, it forget, they, exactly.
1: They punctuated that scene with uh, in a, with Harrison Ford answering a student's question as he got up on his motorcycle. That student.
0: And that student was Tom Hanks' son. Oh, uh, Was it really? I believe it's the one who raps. <laughs> yes,
1: Chet? It was
2: Chet Hanks? <laughs> I believe. Chet? So, yes. Uh, There's a Hanks that raps? Hang on.
1: Oh, Dan, don't. It's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down, a
0: student. In- it's pretty interesting, <laughs> but yes,
2: yeah. This looks like him, the kid from the thing. Oh, he's got neck tattoos. That's yeah, interesting.
0: A lot of tattoos, really. But remind me to tell you guys something off mic related, um, <laughs> at some point. Uh, okay. <laughs>
2: which Which one of your movies was he going to be in? No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> I was never. Chet Hanks was never attached.
2: No, mm. Mm.
0: I don't. I've never met Chet Hanks that it's not even as interesting as that just made it sound okay well well, one of my one of my cool things i do is i say remember to tell you more off mic when i have nothing planned to say no i actually do but
2: it's mysterious for the audience and then you don't have to pay it It off is is what it is yeah yeah
0: i and then i'm like oh i got nothing
2: you you truly are the spielberg and or lucas of this podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes i hope that's what i go down history i would say he's more spielberg and or lucas i
1: would say he's more spielberg than lucas (laughs)
0: of this podcast
2: he's more spielberg than (laughs) lucas at this point
0: twisted and
1: evil Um, Mm. but uh yeah because this is another question i have for you guys other than um holding the i agree button is there anything about this movie that makes you go oh yeah only george lucas could have been involved um, cause I'm drawing a blank other than like, yeah, sure. I did all those prequel movies where we used a bunch of, uh, screens of things not being there and then we digitally inserted stuff. So I've got a great idea for your Jeep duck chase scene, um, that occurs yeah, there's, through there's the there's
2: rainforest. There's green screens in this movie too. I, I would agree that there's that.
1: Yeah. I would say like, other than that, I'm <laughs> drawing a blank and the, the insistence on aliens for. My my brain doesn't
2: know what the, the fingerprint of George Lucas on a movie looks like other than star Wars related things.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you should watch Howard the duck.
0: No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't watch Howard the duck. That's an absolute truth (laughs) that you shouldn't watch Howard the duck. Um, I, yeah, I actually agree. I, I, I think it's too easy to call to, to, to diagnose any negative things. Uh, and any overwhelmingly digital things as the fingerprints of George Lucas. Um, at the same time, they it does look a lot, they do look a lot like his fingerprints. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that's like his legacy to be left on this film. I think from what I read, his entire, everything that we think we don't like about this, no, I'm sorry, about the story and the like elements of the story, not in terms of execution. Not even the story, I'm sorry. It's setting. I would say setting and like, what are the words here for the it? the is,
1: outline the the note cards plot
0: devices the yeah everything like the, everybody
2: take a drink you said it
0: <laughs> oh I did I did it um, <laughs> no one's getting drunk tonight I only said it once uh, well, I'm out of whiskey now the Mayan yeah drink the whole bottle when I say <laughs> it um,
1: it's a glass thank you uh,
0: the Mayan stuff the. Crystal Skulls, the aliens, the B-movie element of it, the psychic Russians. Um, it seems like that was all very much pushed in by Lucas. By the way, another writer we didn't mention was attached to this for a period of time, 2002, was M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, dear. Wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, but he claimed it was difficult to get Ford, Spielberg, and Lucas to focus. I'm gonna need to put a pin in that and go read that later. Mm. Um, I just, I
2: just love what we're talking about, George Lucas. I was scrolling through the IMDb photos, looking at the color palette, and I saw a photo of George Lucas behind the scenes wearing a T-shirt that said "Han shot first Well, hanging. That, was, out a next to, uh, that <laughs> was a
0: big deal. I remember that was a like, big deal.
2: What are you doing?
0: It's, I actually love that. It's such a wonderfully trolly thing. Um,
1: he, he is such an amazing troll. When you like really look at things that he's done in the past 20 masterful. years like uh, it's masterful what was the thing like, with his property where he was like trying to like sell it to do something and then people in Marin, Marin County got all upset so then he turned it into like an assisted living facility and then uh it was just to make the neighbors look bad it wasn't like out of the goodness of his heart it was he, he's such a strange man I don't understand him at all he's 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 peculiar
0: I kind of love uh. those trolley parts of him but I haven't experienced them firsthand so I can't like, oh,
1: yeah, I wouldn't invite that on anyone, but
0: uh, no, no. <laughs> Um,
1: I have more money than you do, I can destroy your life. Uh, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but yeah,
2: <laughs> Kingdom Crystal Skull. Yeah. It's a movie. You guys are really stoked for the next one. Is that, is that what I gather?
0: I'm fascinated for the next one because I want to know
2: which new ways there, they're going to screw it up.
0: There's going to be an, an element of. Of torch passing and the thing is we can't ignore that Shia LaBeouf is in the last one I think the really ballsy thing to do would be to have Shia be in this one and uh, and and then say James Mangold go work like
1: <laughs> you deal with him
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: well I mean it's if you like go by the timeline um, it, you know you'd Todd be say? in it's
0: uh 77
1: yeah, like he should be strung out on drugs anyway, so it should be fine. He could do that. Um, we we could we could have or uh, recovering in some capacity. Uh, we could we could have that uh, appear in there. Um, it, it, that could be a part of the story. That's
0: gonna be weird. If they go by it being, they're not gonna do seventies because that be that's way too close to. That's like when the film released, right? When eight, Raiders came out. Eight,
1: Raiders was eighty two, wasn't it?
0: Okay. Still pretty close to the release of... Did we talk about this last time that we... Maybe it could be an Easter
2: egg. Maybe Shia can go see Raiders in the theater.
0: That would be so weird. Like, that would be the (laughs) weirdest possible thing.
2: They made a movie about my dad. Well, he. he
1: (laughs) It would be the best if he just walks out of the movie theater and you just see it on the marquee behind him. And he says, man... Who people will just watch any garbage these days and then he gets into a car and drives off and then no one says anything about it for the rest of the film
0: <laughs> no he gets in the car, drives off, and it's the bum, ba-da-da-dum, bum, and the credits start rolling, that's the last line of the entire film people yeah. will watch anything these days <laughs> by the way, a joke that was pitched to me by an actual executive, like that line itself people will watch anything these days uh same kind of joke talking about Hollywood and mm. it's based on stories that they are in. Uh, um, yeah, so you're, hanging, you're hanging a
2: lantern on it, so it's not, a, it's not a cheap joke because you're telling everyone that you know it's a cheap joke. I
0: hate it, it's the worst <laughs> thing. I've ever heard. So you're just being <laughs> ironical.
2: <sighs>
0: you know, the thing about the 70s, if they did something in the 70s and they committed to it, the whole point of this, of my spiel tonight, is about committing to it.
2: The, the pants would still be too baggy for you, they'd be bell bottoms. Like,
0: way too baggy you're right you can't put it's a whip a on your
2: belt and have bell bottoms that's just not you can't do that is that a challenge <laughs> yes absolutely in in this era where we're where we are all quarantined and issuing internet challenges i challenge everyone including the people on this podcast to wear bell bottoms and a whip on their belt
1: absolutely not um but uh if you choose to do such a thing you do I've so been
2: waiting for you to say that to me <laughs> without any make sure you tag three of your other friends.
1: that
0: specific thing yeah <laughs>
2: Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh, I think the last thing I was going to say is uh, the the Dean What's-His-Name from Hot Fuzz who comes in to fire him. I really love that uh, brown speckly suit he's wearing. Yeah.
1: Wait, just, you, I thought you were going to say you really loved him. I didn't realize you were going to say you really loved the suit he's wearing. Yeah, I, I know. Put, I, put, I thought
0: you were going to be like, I love Jim Broadbent, because we all love Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent's
2: yeah. great. No, but I, I specifically, you know, watching this movie that I could give two craps about, I, I really specifically loved that suit he was wearing. I was like, ooh, that's nice. I would wear that. He
0: has the best line in the history of cinema, and it's in Hot Fuzz. And it's when he says, but he had something that you don't have. And he looks at him and he goes, a great big bushy beard. And they repeat that line multiple times in the movie. <laughs> in the and the flashback it's, it's, echo in his head, yeah. Oh, my God. It's the best reading of any line in oh. the history of movies.
2: The, the other one that I remember from Hot Fuzz is when he gets super angry and he points both his pistols at uh, Nicholas Angel and goes, he's not even from round here. And then runs oh, away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh all gosh, of the insults.
0: So I love that movie. It's about <sighs> Hot Fuzz now. We, we
2: should do that. We, we already talked about that movie, didn't we, Joe? Yes. Yeah. I don't remember things. No. <laughs> anyway. No. I,
1: but it's a, Yeah. So I think it's safe to say um, this movie's garbage. Uh, and <laughs> it's got. I don't know how to say. It. Like, the nicest thing I can say is at times you can see, like, I can understand how they were painting by numbers to achieve an echo of what it used to be. But, like, that's not much of a compliment to give to steven spielberg george george, george lucas and uh, harrison ford i i certainly wouldn't accept that as a compliment if someone were to say that to me like congratulations joe i can see what you're trying to go for with painting out that palm tree in the background there but um you know that's just an echo of what you used to do um like that was mm. you know that but would it you'd be a okay with it if it you
2: were super duper rich and one of the most famous uh filmmakers of all time
1: yeah i think if somebody gave me four billion dollars um then i'd probably be pretty cool with it um but uh yeah, I don't know. I, and to go back to an earlier thing uh, uh, that Seth had said, I, I I am interested in James Mangold for precisely the same reasons, like Logan, hello, like dealing with those themes, themes that were unaddressed in this film. Um, the, the torch passing that did not occur in this film. Literally, the torch was snatched back at the end of this film when Harrison Ford grabs the uh, fedora or whatever it is um yep and puts it back on his head and walks out the door uh and is, is it a fedora or a trilby
2: fedora the trilby's it's the fedora. tiny one okay
1: so he puts on the fedora and walks out the door and it, and it's just like yeah i've got the torch now jackass um and that's that's how they end it and, and it's like okay so literally nothing of any real import happened there um so if we start with this this one it's just like well Hopefully, you'll have somebody who's going to go in and crack this thing open and say, "All right, well, what makes it all tick? What? Why would we even want to go see this?" Um, and I think that that level of introspection would be welcome. I don't know if George Lucas will put a pillow over its face before it gets to that stage um, and say, "No, no, 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 I-, I saw this National Enquirer about a Bat Boy, and I want that to be my." Uh, my claim to fame for the next indie mo- film. I'm gonna insist on that. Like, who who knows what he's gonna insist on? Um, for for being the the next thing, uh, in the paranormal universe of Indiana Jones.
2: Well, they should definitely start it like Last Jedi and immediately address the hat thing, and then have somebody throw it over their shoulder off of a cliff.
1: No. Um, it's a little, <laughs> a little on the nose, Heart Dan. So quiet. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I was
0: on mute. I was howling. Sorry. <laughs> but,
2: That's uh, just because of your illness, though. You didn't actually think it was funny. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So, other than not really liking this at all, um, are, are you guys optimistic in any way about James Mangold uh, approaching this property? I am. Dan?
2: I like James Mangold, and I think he can bring something to the franchise, but I... I I don't I don't know if I trust Harrison Ford at this point to like commit to it.
0: I mean, maybe uh, maybe he'll die. Dude, hang on. Hang on. Yeah. He he the way he committed to Han Solo in Force Awakens in a way that was very very different than any, than what he did here in Crystal Skull like like Force Awakens he sh- he showed up to work and like I guess maybe it's partly thing.
2: in the back of my mind. I feel like he showed up because he was really excited to be killed. Yeah,
0: he's working with James Mangold. I don't think he's going to live. Mm. Mang- Mangold, Mangold, aside from Kate and Leopold, Mangold doesn't like to let people live. Mm. Like, I was watching 1917 the other night, and I, in my head I get Sam Mendes and James Mangold mixed up. In my head they look like the same person. And <laughs> I, I don't know why that is. And there's a moment, have you guys seen 1917? No. no. Well, there's a moment with a baby. I'll just say that. And I remember thinking, that baby's going to die. And I remembered, wait, no, this is Sam Mendes, not James Mangold. That <laughs> baby's baby is live. safe.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's 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 such a, uh, a very specific distinction that you think James Mangold would kill a baby and Sam Mendes would not. But otherwise, they're basically the same
0: yeah I don't I feel think, like yeah, I, I, yeah, if I, if I knew anything solid. about d
2: and d I would make some sort of like a chaotic evil versus good kind of joke, but I don't know anything about that.
0: Oh good thing you didn't then, yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. you should do one of those uh chart things that go around on the internet where you say, ah, this person's lawful neutral and this this person's chaotic good neutral
2: we'll do that challenge after we after we do the bell bottoms and whip challenge.
0: <laughs> I did that, and I was doctor Strange.
2: Oh, is that one of the one of the Instagram things that you put on your forehead? No,
0: no, this is the thing I thought you were talking about. Where I don't, know, I don't you're know what anybody's doing the slider with the chaotic.
1: Oh, yeah, no, no, I was talking about there. There's like a grid that people will always put characters on from movies and TV shows and comic books, oh, and be okay. like, oh, they fit in this D and D grid. But yes, also, oh, also that thing you were thinking of
2: that works. See, too. see now we're the old man telling uh, people how the, how the youths live.
1: Yes, so kids on the internet, there's images that you can download, and sometimes those images are a series of other images with words under them, and uh, sometimes the text is blurry because that's how the internet works, and you just read things like lawful neutral and chaotic good and stuff, and then you just try to figure that out, and it's all it's all D and D.
0: Hey, look, that old man is talking. <laughs> <laughs> we and have to scene. stop. We
2: have to stop. <laughs>
1: So thank you, Seth, for being on with us. Uh, and, oh man, thank uh, you for was, having me. It was a delight, as always, to talk to you about this. And I feel, I feel like you impart uh, a lot of um, knowledge to the the subject of discussing. Boo.
0: That's not true, but thank no, you. Well, you, you got
1: you got a familiarity uh, because you know, of thanks. your love. You're smart. Yeah. You get a familiarity Thanks, you're nice. because of your love with the uh, with the Spielberg's and whatnot, um, and your Zemeckis's and things, and so um, like that—that's that's, that's a strength that you bring to this, and uh, we we readily rely on you for that. Uh, meanwhile, Dan and I just go meh, and then uh, that's the end of the podcast.
0: You should call the podcast that. You should just change. <laughs> it's <title>. just meh, meh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> then we would have to redo the logo, and that'd be a whole thing. Just oh,
0: graffiti over it. Just do like graffiti meh over it just get so some
2: microsoft like, paint get the little airbrush yeah, tool
0: yeah cyber
2: truck <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm on
2: board with that all right
0: sometimes I, I just say cyber truck sorry i don't know if that was you, you say cyber weird. truck
2: and then like throw a little smoke bomb on the ground and then disappear yeah no i do and then
0: nothing happens <laughs> ever
2: i keep thinking something's gonna happen you forget that you're supposed to run away you just stand there and inhale the smoke
0: i thought the smoke bomb did the work <laughs>